this is episode 298 for April 2014. All right, let's go on to message board questions. Uh, we're going to start with Aziz. He's uh, located in Gotham on the gargo- Gargoyles. And on the what? Uh, he want the gargoyles. On the gargoyles. His avatar is Batman standing on a gargoyle. Oh, okay. I thought you said okay. he was, he's located on gargoyles, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> he's that '90s Disney show written by Greg Weissman. Anyway, as we alluded to in a previous episode uh, for the month of April, or at least on not for the whole month, the April first, we turn the uh, Spider-Man crawl space into the Hulk smash space. And he wants to know who of you guys would actually join that that site. Well, I'm up. Uh, I think Bailey would probably join you. Ba- Bailey and I've talked about a Hulk project for years. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I'd be, I'd be, I was involved with one for a while. So yeah, yeah. And, and George, you're you're a Hulk fan a bit, aren't you? I mean, I like the character. I mean, there's other characters yeah. I'd want to talk about before him, like Doctor Strange or uh, or yeah. Thor or something, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I had fun doing it. I mean, the the point is, though. I mean, why would I do that now when there's so much of the Hulk out there that is complete bullshit to me? <laughs> why, you know, why why would I want to jump into something so you know? I mean, I, I've already spent years of you know bitching about Spider Man. Why wouldn't I want something I could talk positively about? <laughs> but speak uh, real Hulk tangent, Mister Bailey. Are you reading the Indestructible Hulk by Mister Wade? Uh no. Boy, it started strong, but man, is it petering out. And I'm I'm hoping with uh, Mr. Bagley coming on that the book will take an uptick because it's really going south mm. bad, which is too bad. Probably need to get rid of all that red crap and just get back to, you know, well, there's no red. It's, 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 it's uh, Bruce Banner working for S.H.I.E.L.D. basically is what the book's, the, the, the storyline uh-huh. is. But anyway, uh, Batman's arch nemesis is a mass murder of a Batman rarely considers killing him. Spider-Man's arch-nemesis killed less, and Spidey still feels like killing him from time to time, more notably than Batman's desire to kill Joker. This got me thinking, who of Spider-Man's villains uh, he should consider killing, starting with Carnage and maybe the guy who recently killed and severely wounded Ashley Kafka. This is this Batman. This is Bailey. Go, Bailey. Um... Really, I mean, outside of Green Goblin, which kind of took care of itself, you know, after the whole Gwen Stacy thing, uh, I, I don't think um, maybe Eddie Brock before he became the, you know, the crazy, I'm going to protect the innocents, but I still hate Spider-Man. The lethal protector. <laughs> yeah, the, lethal, the lethal protector. There are yeah. just very, you know, a lot of the people Spider-Man fights, you know, and this is, again, somebody who doesn't, have as much experience as you two, but it seems like a lot of them, you know, there's like a relationship there, but it's more like I need to stop him from doing this, but I don't have to put him down like a mad dog. You know, there's not a whole lot of psycho killers. Carnage is the only one that comes to mind instantly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you really have to think about it. I mean, when you, you know, Mysterio is just all about messing with his head. Electro's in it for himself. Sandman's in it for himself, except when he has a kid. But then you know that's undone. But you know, you know, the right nice. Spider-Man by his very nature has very personal villains. You know, they yeah. they're all reflections of him. 
in that they're the people that had the one bad day, and this is how they're dealing with it. Batman has the same type of villain, but his are just more likely to kill you. Yeah. Very good answer. Uh, Puny Parker, location, a dark, dirty alley of the Internet. All right. Uh, Are you guys going to review the Amazing Spider-Man family business graphic novel as a satellite? Yes. That is on the to-do list. There's a Superman 2 reference in that. In the dark, dirty alley of the Internet? No, the family business graphic novel. Oh. I don't get it. A friend of mine uh, told me today there's a point where where Peter Parker goes, you mean Spider-Man was just here? Golly! Oh, that's oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We haven't had an original graphic novel Spider-Man since the '90s, since those uh, big graphic novels. What, whatever, <laughs> that's what they were called. Uh, like the Parallel Lives book, I'm thinking of, and the um, I forget what the rest of them were. Uh, let's see, Hornacek, our good buddy from uh, Canada. Uh, to everyone, when you buy. When, when a comic you collect has a multi-part crossover with one that you don't read, do you usually buy the other comics' issues in order to have the complete story? Or do you either burn steal the other comics' issues to keep up with the overall plot, or you rely on recap pages in your own comic to know what happened in the other chapters? Has this type of promotion ever worked on you, i.e. you bought the issues of the other comic like what you saw and started collecting the book? In general, how successful do you think this kind of thing is in getting new readers for other books? It worked back in the day for Secret Wars 2 when the comics were 65 cents. Mm-hmm. At least for me. When Secret Wars 2 came out, I was buying everything with that little corner mm-hmm. thing on the right-hand corner. I'm like, oh, I better read this. Mm-hmm. Beyonder and his, and his uh, hair are in this. Because uh, <laughs> I love me some Beyonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these days, I think, uh, with the three ninety nine cover price and the economy the way it is, money's tight for everybody. It's it's hard to do. There's uh, would you guys agree or there's what? no effing way I will buy every part of a crossover now. <laughs> Absolutely effing not. And I'll give you an example. Um, yep. You know I started reading Guardians of the Galaxy because I'm going to cover it on the satellite thing. You're right. I, I I haven't really enjoyed. Well, I've enjoyed some of Bendis's Guardians, but he's just not as good as Abnett and Lanning. I, I'm sorry, he never will be uh, for that title. Yeah. Um. They just did a trial of Jean Grey mm-hmm. crossover, I guess, with the X-Men that Bendis is, is writing. And I'm like, no. I'm like, Marvel, go, to, go straight to hell. I'm not buying <laughs> X-Men books just to get this damn story. And in the last part of it, it was, it was the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy that came out. It was like all X-Men and the, Gar- the Guardians were just kind of standing around. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. What a waste of my money. Could you understand the story by reading every other part? Um, no, I didn't even read it. I mean, I started to read okay. it. I started to read it, and no. the Guardians weren't doing anything. It was all Cyclops and the, I guess, young X-Men from the past, and they're all hanging out with some new chick that, that I guess, Cyclops has hung up on or something and has a, <laughs> has a crush on. You know, and I'm like, it's like some kind of past... Young Cyclops, not current Dick Cyclops, you know, and 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 it's just a it's just the biggest bunch of emo bullshit. And I was like, I am not reading this. I was like, the Guardians aren't even they're barely even in here. And I was, I just put it aside. I was like, eh, screw it. No, I'm done. Yeah. And and this is that's exactly what this what he's referring to. This thing where it's trying to make you buy other things and give a crap about a story that's basically throwaway. Right. 
Bailey, what's your thoughts? Are you picking up books you don't usually pick up because of crossovers? Usually I'll wait like a couple months after they all come out and wait for somebody to put up a cheap lot on eBay and just buy the whole thing. Again, cost, it's it's prohibitive. It was even easier to do in the 90s, you know, when you had, you know, you had one X-Men event, you know, take place in every goddamn X-Men title for at least three issues, you know, and and a lot of it was was crap, a lot of it, you know, some of it was good, but it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't three, four dollars a pop. Yeah, they were at most two dollars. Right, exactly. Uh, Mr. Metz has a question about uh, Marvel has decided to cancel the Essential series, a black and white 500-page trade paperbacks. Did you guys own any, and what did you think of the Essentials program? Is ending it the right decision for Marvel at a time when new readers have more ways to pick up older stories with color trade paperbacks, omnibuses, and digital comics? Um, I had a bunch at one point. I sold them all off because I had I bought a bunch cheap and realized I was never going to read them. So I might as well get, get some get my money back and get them into the hands of people that'll actually read it. I thought it was a really good program, especially yeah. when it first started. But given how trade paperbacks are now disappearing from bookstores, they are. Uh, yeah. yeah, they they were. Why? Uh, What's wrong? They're not selling, obviously, if that's why they're taking them out. Well, here's the thing, and this is all conjecture on my part. I have no hard okay. data to back up anything I'm about to say. But in my conversations with retailers and such, it seems like Marvel at one point, especially when Borders went out of business, mm-hmm. the market got flooded with Marvel trades. I don't know why Marvel specifically... But you could get, like, omnibuses at, like, 50% off, basically, just about anywhere you went. Mm-hmm. And the nearest bookstore to me right now is a Books A Million. And up until about a year ago, they had three full shelves dedicated to graphic novels. Uh, they had, like, the independent section, the DC section, and the Marvel section. Uh, and they had, like, 15 billion racks of manga. And now the manga shrunk down and the the graphic novels have gone down to two shelves, and the pickings are kind of slim, and it doesn't seem like they're getting a whole lot of new stuff. And I So I can't say this for sure, you know, across the Fruited Plains, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But it just, I think we're getting to the point where there was a saturation point with, mm-hmm. with trades, and we're now on the other side of that. And with Marvel focusing on digital and offering, you know, like you you pay like $100 and you can get access to all of their books digitally uh, up until like a year ago, uh, there's no no market for them and, and trades really anymore because you can just buy the stuff on your tablet and you're done. Yeah, I wanna I wanna jump in on jump in on that one. What Mike just said um, mm-hmm. a few or several episodes ago. Uh, in fact, it was the episode when Bailey came back and we were talking about digital comics, and I was like, "Oh, these digital hipsters!" You know, <laughs> you were like, "Are you gonna do this on your iPad?" And I was like, "Hell no, I'm not doing it on my iPad. It's where I surf my porn. It's sacred. It's <laughs> sacred ground to me." Uh, <laughs> since then. As I am apt to do, I've done a complete 180. I downloaded that Marvel, what is it, Unlimited? Mm-hmm. Right. App, the, and what's I am, it, 
And I, 100 bucks per year, or what is it? I, it's, no, it's cheap. I didn't do it for the 100 a year. I just did it for like the 9.99 a month just so I could get used to it and try it out. Because they tried this originally yeah. back mm-hmm. in 2007 or 2008. Mm-hmm. And I tried it then, and it was crap. Mm-hmm. Half, the, half the crap wouldn't even open. You would write, uh, you would write an email to the person you were supposed to write to, and it never got resolved. And finally, after two months, I was like, I cannot be a part of this. You have lousy customer service. You're not telling, saying anything. You're charging me for crap, and half of it doesn't even work. Some of the stuff I can't open only goes for three pages, so I'm done. I'm out. Um, that is not the case anymore. This new version that they have um, is very slick. I mean, I just I, I read uh, 28 issues of that damn um, what is it? Secret Nick Fury, Secret Warriors uh, run. Oh yeah, that's a good you know, book. Yeah, that's a good book. Like him and Hydra and everything. I read. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the first thing I did. It was read that. I had never read it before, and I was like, "Holy shit, this was really good." You know, and I just, I just read you know 28 issues of, of probably what was like a two dollar, three dollar comic. You know, and that's all included for my nine ninety nine price. This is the way to go, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the yeah. way to go because they're going to make more money off of you know digital hipsters like me. I, I'm a digital hipster now, <laughs> paying nine bucks per month for content. Nine bucks is is the key. Nine at nine bucks, you'll get me for goddamn near anything. You're going to get me for Netflix. You're going to get if Marvel well, wants to say, well, well you can read all our is, damn books. It, this is the Netflix theory, yeah. It's it's like ten bucks a month. I can read their entire catalog. I can go back, and if I wanted to tomorrow, uh, you know, I could go out and buy a tablet. I could spend ten dollars a month, and I can read every issue of Spider Man, every issue of the Fantastic Four, every issue of Captain America that's on there, yeah. and get so much bang for my buck. That and I like trades. I do. I like collected editions. I think they look really nice on the bookshelf. But as I move more and more into what, you know, and, and as comics, to be fair, with all variant covers to the contrary, comics are becoming such disposable entertainment again, uh, which is actually kind of cool to me in a way because I really like that. It's frightening be- when they're three to four dollars for disposable entertainment. Exactly. So, no, but, but I'm talking digitally by oh, doing yeah. the, the Marvel online thing where you're paying 10 bucks a month, you don't have to worry about new issues because eventually they're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. But you're reading it for the story. You're not reading it to collect an entire run of John Byrne's Fantastic Four. Right. So, um, And the the his question was about the essentials. And, and I think the essentials, what they came out in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And this is pre-high-speed uh, internet. Uh, that's on, on, that's as prevalent as it is now. Mm-hmm. I, I I only own two essential books, and it's where it was reprinting the uh, the Rampaging Hulk uh, magazine from the seventies. And I'm like, well, this is never going to be reprinted in color. I better get this so I can read it eventually. Those are the only two that I have ever bought because I'm turned off by the lack of color uh, in in them. But you, this was a great value in the 90s. This, this was the equivalent of the bang for your buck mm-hmm. back in the day. So I think we've gotten a better uh, model to, to distribute mass amount of stories to folks, and it's online now. 
So I, I think it's I think it's run its course. Um, another thing, you know, Mike said earlier, you know, he thought there was a saturation point that we'd reached with the trade paperbacks. I think it's that plus the, the ultra shitty economy. Mm-hmm. I think that the combination of the two is going to exacerbate print going out faster than anything else. Yeah. Um, especially when, yeah, you get more bang for your buck with a nine dollar subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Now you're not getting the new stuff. You give it six months, you'll, but, you'll yeah. Have. I mean. Contact, yeah. They'll throw it up there, yeah, in about half a year or so. Another thing, it's sad to see the essential trade paperback go because that's one of the things that Jameis did that actually started to help turn yeah. Marvel Publishing around. People will throw credit at Joe Quesada all day for Marvel's robust trade paperback program. All that shit started before he ever even got there, and it was all done by Bill Jameis. And you know, for me to have to correct credit there on Jameis, I don't even like Jameis, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. is a th- you know that's a big thing, but give credit where it is due. Jameis started that; it wasn't Quesada, and this was the thing that started it. Was the essential program? Uh, Webbed Century. His location is England. Uh, George, I love Doctor Strange. He's one of my favorite characters. I just reread Doctor Strange and Doom: Triumph and Torment by Roger Stern. As a Doctor Strange fan as well, what do you think of it? Well, I want to read that. I need. I, I should have ordered that. As one. someone who is a Doctor Strange fan, as someone who is a Doctor Doom fan, um, it is a f- and a Roger Stern fan. And a Roger Stern fan. It is a fantastic story. Um, it and it's got some great uh, Mike Magnola artwork in there. It is just a. It's a fantastic story. Um, yeah. Bailey, have you ever read it? No. I, I Basically, the gist of it is, for the longest time, Doctor Doom was kind. You, yeah, Doctor Doom did a lot of bad shit, but it was for, for a good reason. Everything Doctor Doom was trying to do, take over the Earth, trying to be the most powerful it is, all of it was, was had one driving principle: I have to get my mother out of hell. Yeah, I have to get my gypsy mother who made a bad deal with Mephisto. I have to get her out of hell. This is why I want to be ultra powerful. Now, sure, he could have asked for help. You know, to do that. But asking for help is not Dr. Doom's thing. Um, so he, but he finally does. He finally go. he, he and Dr. Strange decide that they're going to go in and try to do it together. And at different times, man, I mean, you think Dr. Dr. Doom is just throwing Dr. Strange right under the bus and even, you know, but it turns out it, it's part of his plan all along and he, and he's actually not backstabbing Dr. Strange. It's just, there's a lot of conflicting, a lot of conflicting, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pl- not plot points, but just stuff that that goes takes you one way and then takes you the other way. Yeah. You know, just as, almost just as fast. In the end, he frees his mother. He frees the soul of his mother, and they they're able to defeat Mephisto. But the cost is his mother being pissed at him for all eternity, and his mm-hmm. mother turning her back on him because to free her he has to do some bad shit. And she's just – she's like, how – why do you do these horrible things just to free me? You know, this, how can you be – how can my son do this? And, you know, and so it's like to free her, he has to – you know, he has to be willing for her to, to not love him. Yeah. And it's it's a very good story. Yeah. Uh, this When you're talking about that, this made me think of how in the past we've debated if Norman Osborn makes a good Marvel Universe villain. Doctor Doom is a fantastic four villain, but he plays well with other people in the Marvel Universe as their uh, villains. Spider-Man, issue five of Amazing. Uh, Doctor Strange, he's gone up against. Uh, Iron Man has a great run, uh, 150 one mm-hmm. by uh, Michelinie. 
Uh, is there something about Doom that's different than Osborn? Oh, where he, he he works better as a Marvel Universe villain as opposed to just a FF Sweet villain? Sweet Jesus, yes. Number one, right. Doctor Doom is everybody as smart as Reed Richards. The two of them are probably the smartest. Yeah. Next to the Ultra, uh, or not the Ultra Human Knight, the uh, High Evolutionary. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> they're um, they're the smartest dudes on Earth. Yeah, is that uh, you can hear Bailey chuckling in the background? Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so they're the smartest dudes on Earth. Uh, they are smarter. They're way smarter than Norman Osborn. They're both way smarter than Tony Stark. Um, Doctor Doom is the is the leader of a, an entire country, who has the resources of an entire country at his command, at his beck and call. Not only that, he's also a master of the black mag- magical arts. I mean, he yeah. he is so far beyond Norman's class. Now, what does Norman do? Norman puts on a pointy-eared mask, flies around on a glider, <laughs> and throws pumpkin bombs. Yeah. I'll repeat that. Next, next, to the, next to the guy who has all the tech and owns a country, he rides yeah. around on a goblin, cackling with a pointed-eared mask, throwing pumpkin bombs. Right. One of them is believable as, as a world-class villain. The other one is a giant effing stretch. <laughs> Another uh, before we move to the next question, uh, Roger Stern just released an omnibus oh. of Spider-Man. Or can you pick that up? Right? Oh God, I did. I I was one of the guys that jumped on that early and was able to get it for like sixty bucks. Right? Oh yeah, yeah it's sexy, Brad. <laughs> That's a thirteen hundred page book, son. That's gonna hurt your back lifting that. Take the candy <laughs> it, All right, Bailey, Bailey's got a question. What do you think, or why do you think DC doesn't have a sprawling movie universe like Marvel does? And what would you like to see um, DC do? Green Lantern. <coughs> Green Lantern. <coughs> um, no, actually, I'll, 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 I don't. I don't think that's it at all. Um, again, uh, answers that have no basis in any kind of research or knowing anybody, you know, behind the scenes or anything like that. Uh, short answer is, and my gut says they just don't want it right now. Hmm. Um, Marvel had a structure yeah. where they were able to accomplish what they did. They they took a gamble on Iron Man. It was successful. Uh, Hulk was not a failure, but it wasn't as big. I think a big of a success as they wanted it to be. But, you know, Cap turned out okay, Iron Man 2 turned out okay, Thor turned out okay. So when we get to Avengers, and that's a billion-dollar film, it's successful, and the gamble pays off. Uh, DC and Warner Brothers has a very kind of Gordian knot of uh, legal issues. Uh, even though they own DC Entertainment and they own the rights to the characters, that doesn't mean that a Warner Brothers film can use those characters. I don't know that's w- weird. why that that's is, weird. but that's how it is. I think that is slowly getting untangled, as we're seeing on Arrow, as more and more characters start popping up. And, and some of that had to do with the fact that from about 76 to, I would say, roughly... Um, 1997, probably. Uh, basically, the entire time Jeanette Kahn was the publisher of DC Comics. Uh, there was this, you know, writers saw profit participation in characters they created. They didn't own them, 
but if Killer Croc appears in Arkham Asylum, the video game, Jerry Conway got a check. And apparently was able to take his family to Europe on that check. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very uh it's a very beneficial. In fact, right now Conway has a has a site basically out there that he and a bunch of the other writers from that era got together and basically said, "Okay, if you're watching Arrow and you see a character we created, let us know because then we can ask for money." And then then it helps Conway's wow. other site, which is shit I bought. Where it's just him throwing <laughs> off all his bling from all of his characters. Right? So, That's funny. But, so, you know, it, it's a lot harder, you know, getting Justice Society on Smallville, getting, you know, the Legion on Smallville, that took doing. You know, it, it, it isn't that the producers are like, well, you know, we work for the same people that own DC Comics, blah, 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 blah. Let's do it. You can't do that. So it's harder for I think it's harder for Warner Brothers to do that. Plus, if they do that, they're going to be compared to Marvel. So mm-hmm. when Green Lantern's yeah. coming out and Jeff John says we're not interested in a shared universe, they're basically saying that is like, you know, Marvel's doing that, we don't want to chase them. Now, that could change. And would I like to see like a DC cinematic universe? That would be amazing. But at the same time, I don't want it to be forced. I don't want it, them to do it just to do it. You know, right now, we're riding a crest of the, DC, of the superhero genre in film. It was what was promised to us back, like, in 1989 when Batman came out. All of that is now coming to fruition. You know, you're seeing all these films because the technology and the interest is there. And I'm not seeing really an end to that anytime soon. But if you start forcing stuff on people, they're going to lose interest like that. Right. So that's true. You know, so. Like a Sinister Six movie. <laughs> well, you know, um, on the one hand, you know, Bailey, and we've talked about this before, you know, where it's like DC's like, well, you know, Wonder Woman movie is tricky to do. You know, it's, it, it's hard to, to market or whatever. And then Marvel's like, we got a raccoon with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> that, that cancels all arguments. By the so way, so much of what DC would do seems to be DC hemming and hawing or being afraid of what they can't do, whereas Marvel is more in, focused on what they can do and what they should do. DC seems to like hold themselves back. Marvel's like, we got a movie with a talking raccoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's there's nothing they're afraid of, and I think it's all a part of that that Kevin Feige guy. I you know he's the driving force behind all this, and you know he was talking in an interview I read, I think it was on Hollywood Reporter, and he's talking about you know he was having a meeting. There's like a, a panel of six, Quesada and Bendis are part of it, okay, um, that kind of get together and decide you know how these movies should kind of go. He said before it was that. It was it was studio heads sitting around arguing and not understanding the, the characters in the first place. And then Feige would pick up a comic and say, by God, this is what we ought to do. It's right here. <laughs> he said, they've already done it for us. They've written it for us. Let's just do this. Right. So right. and so then he said, then it just you know started all snapping into place. And he's like, why why are we trying to reinvent the wheel, man? Let's go with what's been done. Yeah, you know, he, he got, he's the guy talking common sense. We've got cliff notes right here. They're called stand notes. They've, they've, yeah. they've drawn us the storyboards, man. Let's go. Yeah, dude. So you know, I, I, I think that's part of it. But on the other hand, you know, Bailey, you're you're you know, when I saw Green Lantern, to me, that that was supposed to be you know DC's Iron Man. 
Mm-hmm. That was what was supposed to start their off their shared cinematic universe. So for you to you know say, well, Jeff Johns is saying, well, you know, we don't want to chase what Marvel's doing. I'm like, son, Marvel's making movies that are making 1.5 billion dollars each. Yeah, why would you want to follow them? <laughs> you know, WTF? Why would you? Here's well, the, here's to be the, fair, they're not all making 1.5 billion dollars. No, they're so. not all the Avengers, but but I mean, my God, even even Thor gets like five half a billion dollars. <laughs> Thor. And I love Thor. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going down. You know, trying to diss Thor. I'm just saying, Thor. <laughs> if you weren't part, if you didn't read comics, did you know who Thor was aside from Avengers and babysitting? He's making half billion dollar movies now. But the thing is that I'm the thing that I'm worried about is though that they, this crash is not going to last long. Movie tastes change very quickly. We're lucky that it's lasted this long, and I think it's going to continue to last with the Marvel stuff. But Marvel, I don't think, is going to just be able to keep making you know, movies that make half a billion dollars. They're going to stumble at some point, or audiences are going to finally say, uh, you know, we've had... Guardians, the- Guardians is a good test if they're going to fumble or if they're going to... Guardians is going to be a great test. But at yeah. the same time, I'm, I, you know, I'm like, DC, if you're waiting, you may, you may be you know, talking yourself out of a lot of cash. Let's move on, boys. Uh, question to me uh, from Webhead Century or Web Century: As a new DC reader, thanks to the new Fifty Two, is there anything you've enjoyed from your DC reading experience? Is there anything you think Marvel can learn from the new Fifty Two? Um, I like the character of Batman. I when I, I I also like the character of Superman. And I also like the the concept of the Justice League. I tried all three of them. I also tried Batgirl. The only books I currently pick up are the Bat books now. I've dropped all the others. I didn't really care for them long term. Uh, what did they do? What did D- New 52 do right? They provided an entry point for me to a universe that seemed intimidating. Uh, Marvel does that every week. <laughs> they reboot their books. Hulk has gone 19 issues and he's getting another volume. Uh, I don't think DC has done that as much. I think they. Help me out a little bit, Bailey. They don't reboot as much as Marvel does, do they? <laughs> I, I don't think they do. I mean, this this they okay, have let, 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 Let's go over this a little bit. We okay. had the soft reboot after Infinite Crisis. Okay. Uh, followed was, by Superman rebooting again in 2009, or finally getting an origin, and then New 52 less. Uh, Basically, about five years after their last reboot, they do the new 52, and it reboots again. I guess so, my theory is they don't put a new number one on it and, and start over. No, they just like, cancel it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, but, but it's funny because they're starting to do that. Uh, Teen Titans is getting canceled, and there's going to be a new Teen Titans in July. Suicide yeah. Squad's doing the same thing. So I think with certain titles, you know... You know, Jeff Loeb w- was a was a kind of a big proponent of the idea of you know at the end of every year you end the series and you start off you know same characters same continuity and everything but you just start off with a new number one because it just kind of makes sense on a retailer front. So he's uh, the blame. <laughs> well, probably not. I mean, and if you want to blame him, Jeff Loeb for anything, just blame stuff going on in the television uh, area because that's that's where he is. Not that I have an opinion one way or another because I don't watch any of the shows, but the thing is, is that DC, we had 
from 2004 until 2011, four different Superman origins. (laughs) Poor bastard. Poor bastard. Now, one was the Earth One thing that JMS did, to be fair. But they did Birthright, and then almost immediately as Birthright ended, they do Infinite Crisis, which changes it again. They hem and haw, they do Secret Origin, and then they do the new 52. So, yeah, they, uh, it sucks. So they're, <laughs> they're perpetually stuck trying to reinvent the wheel. Yes. Now, and oh, that'll lead into a thing, and it's getting late, so... <laughs> Let's keep plowing through. Uh, JVL 1031, uh, for those who have seen it, what did you think of Captain America, the Winter Soldier? I loved it a lot. I, I'd give it an A-. minus. I liked it better than Iron Man 3 and Thor 2. Bailey, have you seen it? Not yet. How about uh, George? George, you saw it. I, I saw it yeah. Uh, yeah. that first show on Friday morning, and I wanted to jump naked in all its glory. Wow. that was It was a fantastic. It was better than I thought it would be. And I thought Where does it, it rank good. compared to some other movies? For me, it's, uh, it's right under the Avengers. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry, I want a damn Black Widow movie now. Give me a Black I Widow movie. I do, too. I do, too. Oh, God. She was great. She was great. And I thought The Falcon was good. Yeah. I thought um, Robert Redford was good. Uh, all the Black Widow, all the hail Black Widow had a bigger part. I'm sorry. I yeah, the, the Hydra was that, good. That was creepy. I know. And, well, I'm not going to spoil too much for Bailey, but let's go on. But we loved it. I highly recommend it. Is, you know how, it. okay, we'll, we'll say this about it. You know how a lot of movies or a lot of comics will throw out Game Changer, they'll never be the same? Right. This one you does. actually get that in this. <laughs> so, so yeah, this changes the Marvel Universe. A whole bunch of heavy shit goes down in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Zipline, he's located in Purgatory. They have computers here. Oh, all right. Uh, JR isn't here, unfortunately. Uh, to me, uh, would since past have been better if Gwen's kids had been fathered by Peter? No. Possibly stemming from an alternate timeline into the future? No. And the story had featured time travel, much like the stuff that goes on in the X-Men. Uh, I I don't really I like the character of Cable. I don't know if I like him connected to Cyclops. I don't know, but Spider Man doesn't need Spider Man in me, to my in my opinion is works better as a grounded character. He doesn't work good with uh, alternate dimensions coming in. Well, uh, twenty nine nine the exception, but I don't like cosmic stories. I don't like uh, Spider Man in space. I don't like when he's out fighting Wood God. Remember that? All yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I I. Adding, well, yeah, I just, I don't want him to be a father of teenagers. I, I mean, I, I, I can, I can get behind him being a dad of little May, but uh, then you run into the problem of the the little baby always being Franklin Richards young. So I, I understand the uh, the ba- debate about aging this youthful character. I understand that, but no. I don't like the idea of the Goblin sleeping with Gwen. I know Jr. likes it. I didn't care for it back in the day. It just it seems off. It just really seems off. Or, or you could be like Billy Connors, who grew up to be a teenager and then apparently died, and they convinced yeah. his younger brother that his name was Billy. And, just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and also, what you've got Normie in the uh, the books now. Uh, his age dramatically fluctuates. He was playing with dolls after Brand New Day, and now he looks to be about 12 in the boardroom. Yeah. 
So the, the, the kids are tricky in a universe that doesn't age. Uh, to George, have you seen the movie Wreck-It Ralph? And if so, what Marvel character would you like to see in the sequel? I have, and uh, I would say Spider-Man and Shumagor- or Spider-Ham and uh, Shum- Shumagorath. <laughs> I don't know how, why... Oh, Wreck-It Ralph's a Disney movie. That's it's a Disney ask. movie about... Um, I, video games. Video games. No, but they had, yeah, a lot, they had a lot of video game characters in there. You haven't seen that? They did. No, I've seen it. Oh. I've seen it several times. Um, to Michael... Uh, what would Ben Riley say to Kane, uh, taking up his former mantle as the Sarah Spider, if he were in spirit form? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> this is a, this is an odd question because I, I'm not really all that familiar with Ben Riley as a character or Kane as a character, so I really can't say you know theoretically what one would say to the other. Uh, that's that's nothing against lockdown. I hope he's not taking offense that I can't answer his question. I'm just not. I'm. I mean, if I was Spidey, dude, I'd probably have like a thesis uh, <laughs> already written. You know, like several yeah. drafts in. But uh, I don't. I don't. Nice suit. I don't know that. A, I don't know that a hoodie can be a mantle. <laughs> I just don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent on that. I. I. <sighs> From someone that read the Clone Saga and, and likes both of those characters, I don't know what they'd say. I, there's a hatred between both of them, so I don't know if you if if well. Th- this goes back to Ock and, and Peter Parker. What do you think of your one of your worst enemies taking up the mantle of who you used to be? Anyway, yeah. I don't I don't know. Anyway, lockdown, Illinois. Uh, Brad, since you brought it up on Facebook, just how many Spider-Man ties do you own? I sadly only own one, and I had to sell them off back in 2010 after I lost my job to pay some bills. Uh, I've got probably four or five Spider-Man ties. After the first uh, uh, movie came out with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man was on everything, including neckties, and I got a few of those as Christmas gifts. I also got a Christmas gift of a very good-looking Mark Bagley Spider-Man tie. Unfortunately, with my job, I, I have to wear a tie every day, but uh, wearing a Spider-Man one, I can wear it on rare occasions. So uh, I don't get to wear it that often, but I bust it out like on maybe Halloween or something like that. Whoa, hey now. Uh, George, I know you aren't a fan of the Ultimate Universe, but outside of Miles Morales, are there any other characters that you actually enjoy? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. All right, Michael, what are your thoughts on the preview pages of Amazing Spider-Man number one showing that the second person to be bit by the infamous spider is a teenage girl? Do we really need another Spider-Woman, or do you think it raises some interesting questions and still keeps Garth Ennis' The Thousand Spider-Man story, which is horrible? I added that commentary. Still in continuity. Um, I want to see... That was a- have you ever you ever read that one? That Web Spinners no. one, I think, is what it was. No. That's bad. Um, I I want to see how it plays out. I really don't want to want to sit here and say, oh, it's going to suck because every time I, I'd say ninety percent of the time I do that, I end up enjoying it, and then I feel like yeah. an asshole. And I sat there, and was just like, it sucks. No, actually, it's pretty good, and I'm just going to backpedal. Um, do we need another Spider Woman again? Yeah. Oh, do we need any character? We need characters that are well-written. So if we had a Spider-Woman that was well-written and a solid character and, you know, could sustain a series, then, yeah, we do need that. But if not, if you're just going to throw a Spider-Woman title out there just to have a Spider-Woman title, then no, because you're just ultimately not going to do anything with that. I, 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 I will agree with what you said about the don't judge it before it came out. However, the concept of the spider having a motive, JMS hat did that. And, and 
I just that that aspect of when he got bit by a spider has been played out so many times. I don't know why we keep going back to that. People keep trying to reinvent the wheel. I know, but I, I just it's so been done before. I mean, what new can you add to it? it is, if it's if I mean, if you can add something really great, go for it. But I, I'm suspicious is, how many failures there's been. It is the biggest conceit and the biggest temptation for a writer coming onto a title to reinvent the wheel, to totally take the character and try to change some element of its origin or try to turn it on its head or do something like that. It's like they can't stop themselves from doing it. It's like crack cocaine. They have to try to put their stamp on it somehow. Jolly Jovial Jonas from the Justice League Watchtower with a great-looking Superior Foes avatar. Uh, To the gang, who are your favorite three Marvel characters? Bailey, you go first. Uh, Hulk, Cap, and uh, Spider-Man. Is it the the ranking of preference? Yeah, actually it is. Okay. Cap more than Spider-Man. Cap more than Spider-Man. Why? Look at that sigh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of how I've got to get up in five hours. Um, I just... Cap t- kind of tugs on that... Um, it, I was interviewing uh, somebody from my show, Views, the a uh, couple nights ago, and he made the comment, he's, he's like, uh, you know, you like Captain America, and is that, you know, he's a lot like Superman. And he is. He, he, has, a lot of the, yeah. he has a lot of those same qualities. Uh, Cap, to me, I have read more Cap that I've enjoyed than Spider-Man, so kind of on like a, like a logical level I can do that. But no, I just, I just like Cap better. I just think he's just such an, you know, I, it always goes back to the characters I loved as a kid. And I never had Spider-Man under ruse, but I did have Captain America under ruse. <laughs> Very good answer. Uh, George, top three. Uh, I would say Spidey, Doctor Strange, and Thor. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man, Hulk, and I guess as a group, X-Men. Does that fair? It is a, it is a midnight. Uh, <laughs> to, to the... Oh, we already answered that question about the Winter Soldier. Uh, rewind the tape. Or the podcast. <laughs> Spider-Nerd uh, from Ohio. Now that we're nearing the end of Superior Spider-Man, I believe this is a good time for the question. What are your guys' thoughts on Ox time as Spider-Man overall? Do you be- think Dan Slott did a good job with the story? How so? We've we've kind of hit this up several times in the podcast in the previous, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't say in toto because I haven't read it all yet. But from what I've read so far, it looks like it was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean it's it's his peak of his run of of Dan Slott's run, I think, because uh, you've got character growth, you've got a a beginning, a middle, and end of a character arc that of Ock. I think this, we all agree is pretty good. Uh, six 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 and a half from uh, Inland Empire. Hey gang, my question's for Michael. What would an Earth three slash Crime Syndicate version of Spider Man be like, and what about any other Marvel characters? He would be a douchebag media star. <laughs> I don't even know what Crime Syndicate is, but go the, ahead. The Crime Syndicate and the Earth 3 was basically the opposites. They were the evil Justice oh. League. Uh, okay. Instead of... Kryptonite, the mirror universe, yeah. like Star Trek. So okay. instead of yeah. killing him, Kryptonite gave Ultraman his powers. Okay, uh, I see. And if you're, if you're going to go for opposite, but still have it be kind of clever... Peter Parker would have been bitten by the radioactive spider and just become an... He wouldn't have become a villain, 
but he would be completely self-absorbed and just the worst kind of celebrity, the kind that throws a fit when the there's not any when there's yellow M and M's in his M M&M and M bowl in the green room and all that. Uh, I was thinking of some other like the only other character I really thought of was Captain America, and I figured the Earth uh, the, the Earth Three version of Cap would be John Walker. Uh, when he, when you know, like that guy, when he was like super patriot, where it's just like that straight ahead, follow what the the party line says, you know, my way is the right way, etc. So, but yeah, that, that that's what I thought for Spider Man was he wouldn't be a villain, but he would just be he would just be an asshole. <laughs> uh, George, you want uh, this Jr. question about uh, why Jonah? What's Jonah's problem with Spider Man? Well, Jonah's already said it uh, before that uh, he knows Spider-Man is actually a better person than he is, and that's why he hates him. Jonah has been honest about that many times. Uh, I say many times, probably at least three times that I, I think I can remember. But yeah, I mean, he's he's been uh, he's talked about that before. Uh, this, the questions are from Big Al, location Edgeware. Also, another question to George. What do you think about Alpha's 50th anniversary of Spider-Man? We, you weren't on the show when, when this was uh, discussed. No, um, and because I didn't have to read it for the podcast, I, I still have not read it. Um, yeah. I remember laughing about it and mocking it because, you know, we, we had people like Tom Brevard telling us Spider-Man couldn't be married because it aged the character. Oh, but let's give him a teenage sidekick. Right. And so I, I I laughed it off as just a, a, a I, senseless gimmick, which I, I think I imagine uh, Alpha will not be coming back anytime soon. He's like Poochie D. <laughs> He's like Scrappy Doo. <laughs> Alpha, <laughs> Alpha died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> I have to go now. Um, My planet needs me. George, how would you rank each decade of Spider-Man from the '60s to the 2010s in terms of how badass Spider-Man? Uh, was and how much ass he could kick. Personally, I think he peaked in the eighties. Uh, Big Al is correct, he, and we, Brad, we talked about this before. Yeah. So many of our of our Friday night fights come from the eighties because that's when he was his toughest. Yep. Um, underneath that, I would say the nineteen sixties. Next, I would say the nineteen seventies. Next, I would say the nineteen nineties. Then the the then the aughts, and then the twenty tens. And the reason I rank the twenty tens the current last is because he has had to have the Avengers in every other goddamn book he's had. Or every other damn story. He always need, he need, always needs to call a phone a friend for help. It's not enough. Yeah, he can't just fight Dr. Octopus now or Norman Osborn. He has to have he has to do it with an entire effing team and it's stupid. It needs to stop. Michael, to flip a question you had last month on its head, what do you think Superman and Batman would be like if they were created as Marvel characters? Sentry and Moon Knight. <laughs> and, he, that's awesome. and 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 that's a snarky answer, but it's an honest it's answer. True. It's true because you would not have a character with godlike powers outside of Thor, but that's a different issue entirely. But you would not have a character with the superpower set that Superman has that would just do it because it's the right thing to do because that's how he was raised to be because that's just not how marvel works it's not it's not bad it's not good it's just the way it is and you would not have a regular guy with you know rich guy who wants to fight crime without some kind of twist and that's moonlight 
Uh, Iron Patriot from the Philippines to Brad, are you happy with the current state of comics? Uh, I enjoy most of the books I pick up. I think they're too hot, pricey, and I worry that the younger generation is uh, doesn't give a shit about them. They care about the movies. They don't care about the source material. Um, I, 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 am I happy? I guess. I, I think it could be better, but I've thought every every decade could have better aspects of it. Uh, also, with November making the twentieth, marking the November, uh, let me do that again. Also, with November marking the twentieth anniversary of the '90s show, do you think you could get some of the voice cast or producers on the show? Um, the '90s show doesn't hold as much a, a place in my heart as the '80s, the Amazing Friends, the uh, the '70s live action show, the uh, the, the recent uh, spectacular show. Uh, the I. If I were to get someone from the 90s show, I think it would be neat to get Christopher Daniel Barnes. I've tried in the past to get him uh, unsuccessfully. I I am friends with Josh Keaton, who is the voice. Look at me name drop, Spider-Man celebrities. There you go. I've got Spider-Man's cell phone. Uh, I've I've talked to Josh Keaton about trying to get a hold or getting a contact of Christopher Daniel Barnes because when they did that voice work for the video game, I'm like, could you think you could get me an email or a phone number of Christopher Daniel Barnes so I could get him on the show? Who was the voice of the '90s Spider-Man? So uh, I never that never came about. So uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes doesn't really have uh, a presence online where you can email him like I did for the upcoming uh, Firestar and Spider-Man show that I'm recording tomorrow. I'm so excited for that, by the way. Uh, so um, hey, some hey, other hey, pa- hey, you don't want me on that show because I'll just ask him questions about uh, the Starman <laughs> TV series from the '80s and his time as uh, Greg Brady in the Brady Bunch films. So that's yeah, that's true. I I liked that Starman show back in the '80s. I did, uh, but. I don't have as much of a passion for that show as, say, someone like Zach does. I think that show, that would be a good show for Zach to do. Or someone that grew up in the 90s. I was in college in the 90s, and I didn't get up on Saturday mornings, and I didn't set a VCR to record. I, I, so. <laughs> I was up on Saturday mornings, and I was also in college, but at the time, I was pissed at the Spider-Man cartoon because it was not as good as the Batman cartoon, and it should have been. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, you know, I would look at the I would look at the greatness of Batman, and then I would look at Spider Man and say, why can't you be that good? You're my favorite w- hero. See, the '90s, I was jealous of DC also for that aspect. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say it. it's not going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. All right, last uh, poster. He's got a couple questions. Uh, Steve Claw, first time post. So, welcome to the board, sir. Uh, long-time listener, but first-time poster. First off, I just want to thank you guys for many hours of entertainment you've provided over the years for my work commute. A lot of people tell us that they listen to us while they're driving, so I'm glad we can get you to and from. Uh, question for everyone. <laughs> Please, and stop swerving. Question for everyone. With Electro as the main villain in the new Spider-Man movie, I thought it would be a good time to ask if it's possible for a B-lister like Electro to move on up to the A-list territory with the Green Goblin Dr. Octopus. I can't recall this ever happening with a Spider-Man villain, and I wonder if any of the classics, such as Electro, Vulture, Mysterio, etc., could ever get the A-list treatment. Well, let, me, let me answer that yeah. question to you guys. Do you think that Spider-Man's really set up for that? I mean, it, seem, mean? It, it seems like to me, outside of Doc Ock and Green Goblin and Venom, 
Spider-Man's strength is that he has all of these villains that are on the same kind of tier with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I, am I off on that, or...? Mm-mm. No, I, I, that would be the B-list, honestly, the the, the Mysterios yeah. and the Vultures, etc. But uh, I don't know of another villain that went... Well, Venom, out of the box, went up to the A-list because of the sheer popularity. Yeah, but but do they need to, is my question. No, they need to be uh, big, dumb, and hit hard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like it's like Batman has A list and B list villains. You know, you you have your 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 quartet of you know Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and the Riddler. You know, they're the top tier basically because of their time on the Batman TV show in the '60s. <clears throat> and then and now you can kind of like throw Two Face in there. But then you have, like, the guys under that, like Mr. Zaz and, and the Ventriloquist and all that. So Batman has, like, levels to his villains, and Superman does. But Spider-Man is just like, you know, you've got the ones that made it really freaking personal, and then everybody else. Yeah, that's true. Well, he's got, you know, he's got mastermind villains. He's got people like Norman or uh, or um, Dr. Octopus or Hobgoblin, even, or Kingpin. But no, Electro's a goon. Electro's a high-powered goon. Rhino is a high-powered goon. Sandman, God bless him, is a high-powered goon who sometimes feel bad about it. Uh, Vulture is a low-powered goon who can sometimes do terrifying things. You know, I mean, it, it's good that we have tears for that. Not everybody can be a criminal mastermind. Right. But I, I, is there a Batman villain that started at the bottom and worked his way up to the top? That sounds dirty. Ooh, I'm thinking about that. Uh, I would say Riddler did. Riddler? I can't think of a Spider-Man villain yeah, that started at the bottom because, and worked its way because up. Because Riddler started off as kind of B-list, and then he went into retirement, and then folks started dying. <laughs> right, Bailey? Like around well, uh Gotham's. No, it was more that the Riddler had a couple appearances in the Golden Age, kind of went away, started coming back in the 60s, and then the TV show, just he just took off. It's like oh, that, yeah. that, that TV show. Frank, Frank Gorshin yeah, made, uh, yeah. just made that. I mean, you look at the who were the four villains that were in the movie of the TV show? Joker, Penguin, and Riddler uh, was there. Catwoman. But they were Riddler, all so, masterminds, though. Yeah, so... You know, it's uh, you know, you know, Two Face moved up there. I think mainly from the television, se- from the animated series. I think that's really where. T- also, Mister Freeze, I think. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't really come. He didn't really do anything in the comics, though. That's the thing. Mister right. Freeze got interesting on the based on the animated series, but his appearances yeah. in the comics were really few and far between during that era. So, whereas Two Face. Especially towards the late '90s, like had a had a pretty constant presence, uh, you know, in, in the books. So it, it's just, you know, when when you think of Spider-Man, the focus isn't on the villains; the focus is on Peter. Whereas with Batman, you don't really focus on Bruce Wayne on all that much. You focus on the people he's fighting. So it's like it's almost like two different. You know, it literally is two different worlds. But, you know, that's why the the B-list villains that Spider-Man fights work for him, because they're there, as George says, for him to hit. And sometimes you want it to be Electro, and sometimes you want it to be Hammerhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
All right, that was the last question. He asked about the Captain America movie, but we've already been asked that three times. No question from Lady Spider this month. That's depressing. No, no, no. All right, uh, final thoughts, Mr. Barrowman. Um, I had a couple things I wanted to recommend. Uh, I already mentioned okay. one of them. There was the Roger Stern Omnibus. Um, I'd also recommend the Marvel Unlimited thing. I, I think that's been just fantastic yeah. so far. And it's... It, it's weird. I mean, Amazon just bought Comixology. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that does. I'm still not up for buying, you know, single issues digitally for like three, four bucks. I, I'm fine with, with the nine bucks a month license thing or whatever. Not license, but, you know, standard fee, and then, like, you get them, like, after so long. That's fine. But I'm I, I'm not interested in paying, you know, buying two comics and spending what I could have bought for, you know, what I could have paid for for one month for the Marvel Unlimited thing. Um, what else? Uh, I've been getting into some Netflix shows, Lost Girl. Canada has a lot of interesting TV shows now. My wife uh, loved that show. She watched like the first Lost season Girl? and a half. Yeah, Lost. Not heard of it. It's when this. It, it's got like. Um, oh, you know, it's one of these things where it's like you've got mortals, but there's also like a like a magical society. You know, like fairies, werewolves. vampires. Yeah, werewolves. And so huh. the main character is this hot bisexual chick who um, is a succubus, which she can drain the life out of you by kissing you. And she doesn't really know what she is, and, and then she, she discovers who she is, and, and you know, it, it's Gets been a involved good in show. this world beyond the world. Yeah, Rachel, Rachel got into that, like, pretty hardcore uh, when, when sci-fi started showing it. That's cool. And um, what else? Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is good now. Uh, it's finally hit a, hit a place where it's interesting. Um, the stuff that happens in Captain America directly impacts that show in a big way. So I would recommend that. Um, and I guess that's all I had cool. off the top of my head. Game of Thrones is back on, so yay! <laughs> Mr. Bailey, final thoughts, recommendations, anything you want? Uh, very happy that the rest of Batman Brave and the Bold is on Netflix now. Yeah. Uh, they have the the second and third season, or the, the the ending of the second and then into the third season. So now I can finally just watch the whole thing. They also recently added Young Justice and the Green Lantern series. And since I never watched them when they're on, this is the time to do it. Uh, since they're all right there. Uh, also, really excited that Greg Pak has come over to DC and is writing action comics and is just killing it. Uh, Superman is actually starting to get good again. Uh, I'm, are, are you gonna are you gonna read it when JRJR takes over Superman, Brad? I had the I had the opportunity to pre-order it. I did not. Okay. Well, I'll tell you how it is. Maybe he'll wait for the, maybe he'll wait for the origin story. <laughs> um, and uh, that's pretty much it. I'm I'm kind of fried this month. It's been a it's been like I said yeah. before. It's been kind of a rough one. So, oh Bailey, mention those Mego things. Oh, what, what yeah, company yeah. is doing those Mego things? I don't know what the company is called. A, a couple years ago, they started putting out these Mego type dolls, uh, and they put out like Superman, Batman, Lex Luthor, Two Face. And they did like a second wave, and now they're putting out all these different two packs, 
where you're going to get, like, a Jimmy Olsen figure, an Alfred Pennyworth, a Commissioner Gordon, uh, Hawkman. I mean, it's just this this is incredible line of figures that just looks amazing. One of them was uh, Joker and Penguin, and I was like, shut up and take my money, just like you said. <laughs> yeah. Thread. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> I wish Marvel would release some of these Mego-style figures. I mean, seriously. Look, I, I, I have – you know how, like, they discovered this, like, thing of Atari games out in the desert where they, like, just uncovered, like, this, like, tanker truck full of, like, Atari games and such? One right. day – you know, some Indiana Jones type is going to uncover the 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 warehouse that was buried in a sandstorm that is full of nothing but Mego Hulk dolls. Oh <laughs> God, that's going to happen! I I real quick, I got to tell a Hulk Mego story. Uh, Bailey, you'll love this. Uh, on the on a recent episode of Comic Book Man, you guys probably don't watch this, but uh, it's the Kevin Smith. Uh, I've watched show. a few episodes. I saw the owner of the first comic shop I ever went to walk into that show. <laughs> My God, does that show any good? Uh, it's it's watchable. I mean, uh, it's 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 average at best. But it's anyway, on stars, it, but not as good. Exactly. They need to stick more to the Pawn Star aspect to the, than the guys just goofing around. But uh, anyway, this guy came in with a uh, Alasta Hulk. It, it's like the Stretch Armstrong version of the Hulk. Yeah, they had, a, they had a Hulk and a Spider-Man one. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, evidently there's only five left in the world or something. What? Because these... Because they, they decay. They, they uh, just fall apart. Uh, they have corn syrup or corn starch in them, and they just they they evaporate. I don't know if they evaporate, but they just turn into a big glob of gook. So uh, I had one of these, and I had two of them because I, mine had a leak or it got poked or something. That sounds bad. You cut it and open, it, Brad. Just to- I. <laughs> anyway, it leaked the hell all over the carpet. I know I remember getting in trouble for that. But uh, anyway, this guy came in. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, stop. You anyway, my carpet, boy. <laughs> so anyway, this is like a rare toy, and according to the dude on uh, Comic Book Men, there's only like five of these Alaska Hulks. It's still in good shape, and it absolutely and it was produced by Mego, I think. Mm-hmm. And it basically uh, was like Stretch Armstrong. You could pull the Hulk's arms and legs in different uh, directions. So the guy's trying to sell it to the Comic Book Men, and he asked like an outstanding amount, like two grand or something, for this thing. And he he was like, uh. And he showed how he kept his Hulk uh, in good condition. He has a special wipe. He, like, sprays his Hulk down every other day and wipes it so the corn starch doesn't harden. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, since the 1970s, this guy's been spraying his Hulk. <laughs> the world's first biodegradable toy. Get it before it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and Bailey, when I saw this, I just thought of you. I mean, did you have this toy as a kid? No, I, I had like three or four of the Mego ones because they kept breaking. But the rubber bands kept breaking, right? But the uh, but the success of the television series kept that Mego figure in production like constantly. <laughs>